Welcome in to the Craig Houston Podcast, where we talk about your self-development and helping you on your entrepreneurial journey. And in today's episode, we're going on a one-on-one conversation with Chris Chapman, the host of the Next Level Minds Podcast, where we talk about not only self-development, but how to get your personal finances in place to where you can live the life that you want to live as you start to trend towards those later years of life where you want to enjoy it way more than working and grinding a typical nine-to-five. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode today and definitely comment down below and let me know some of the things that you took away from this episode where you can start implementing in your life today. And if you are not following us on YouTube, definitely go ahead and follow us over there as well. And definitely leave us a comment on your favorite streaming service about the things that you like about the Craig Houston podcast. Let's jump into it. In today's episode, I am happy to bring in Chris Chapman, who is going to actually talk to us a lot of things in a whole bunch of ways. But what we're going to discuss today, uh, for the most part, is that we're going to get into the things that he does in his business. We're going to talk about the things that he does on the side with his own podcast. And we're going to just talk about some generic uh, entrepreneurial things that you can always look out for and how to self-develop some of these traits, especially in personal finance and a little bit of ways here, too. Uh, Remember, everything that we talk about here is never financial advice. It's just us having a conversation to kind of give you a insight into how the minds think about personal finance from two gentlemen that's on the podcast today chris hey welcome in yeah craig thank you so much uh for having me man um i know we had this schedule for for a hot minute now so i'm really excited to dive in and everything yeah i'm ready i'm super excited about this too i've been um waiting to get a lot of these uh episodes done and you're one of the main ones that like saying anything about any other guests but one of the main ones that connected with uh i was like man this is going to be a a great conversation for the audience because it's always refreshing to give um the audience uh people that they can find that's down to earth that they really don't have a connection with but could build a connection and understand from a different perspective so i think this is going to be an awesome opportunity yeah yeah absolutely man so tell the audience a little bit about yourself yeah man so grew up uh you know, in a nice area, but but very, very middle class, right? I mean, pay, paycheck to paycheck family was very blessed to always have a roof over my head, uh, food on the table, but you know, we never went on any vacations. Uh, I paid for majority of my first car. You know, my dad worked three jobs at one point to keep the family afloat. And so at an early age, I was instilled a significant work ethic, because at 12 years old, I said, Hey, you know, if I want to go to the movies with a friend, or if I want to do this or that or the other, I don't really have excess capital to do that. And neither did my parents. So I started just going door to door, uh, cutting grass for people, asking if I could do random odd jobs. And uh, that's where I really got kind of a lot of the the entrepreneurial hustle that I do now. Um, Because, you know, what guy or girl wants the 12 year old to come cut your grass? So a lot of people were were rejecting me. And that's where, you know, I got the thick skin uh, to have, you know, an entrepreneurial background or to do well in business because, starting your business or starting your career early on, you're going to be faced with a lot of rejection. Um, but fast forward a little bit, uh, you know, got into high school, uh, didn't really care about much besides making money, doing odd jobs and partying with friends. And unfortunately what happened was my junior year, I got the news that I had a 0% chance to get into any four year university. Uh, and college was something that I wanted to do. So I got hit with some bad news. And that's when I really said, you know what, what is this whole goal thing? What are habits? What is personal development? And that's when I really started to build some structure around it. You know, for example, if your goal is X, you got to do A, B, and C to get to X. You know, my goal is to get into college and I wasn't doing A, B, and C to get to that goal. Uh, And so basically turned my life around real quick, ended up, you know, going to Clemson University, 
uh, barely kind of being able to go there, but ended up graduating with honors. Um, so quick turnaround of the 0% chance to then graduate and, you know, with above a 3.0 GPA and, uh, moved to Charlotte in 2018. I worked in sales for my first job on the IT side. And then now I'm working for Capital Analytics, where we make annual business publications for major cities. And I cover our Charlotte and Raleigh region. And I sell advertisements uh, directly to Fortune 500 CEOs. Uh, so there's a lot of learning lessons there. And uh, on the side of all that, I do the Next Level Minds podcast, which under that umbrella, I do some personal development coaching as well. And then uh, I also do some speaking engagements. Um, but Next Level Minds is actually my second business. My first business failed, which we can we can definitely touch on uh, later on in the podcast if you like, man. But that's a little bit about me on the business side. And then personal level, man, my, my one year uh, anniversary for my marriage is coming up in July. Uh, married my beautiful wife, Jacqueline, last summer. Um, and so really excited, obviously, to, to progress with her through life as well. Absolutely. Outstanding. Hey, congratulations on that one year anniversary. Uh, what are you what are you planning to do? Take it to somewhere? Oh, yeah. I'm taking it somewhere after she asked me about 100 times. So <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So uh, let's talk. Let's start with uh, just basically the sales portion, right, where you are out selling advertising spots for a magazine to Fortune 500 CEOs. I think that's impressive and has to be quite challenging. Uh, let's start where let's start with where, where the challenge may be uh, met and where you had decided to find a way around that challenge. Yeah, man. So I think the challenge is I put together the very first edition of what we do in Charlotte. So the company contacted me. We we're already in a few other markets and they were like, hey, listen, we're, we're trying to open up uh, the Charlotte market here. We need somebody that can start on the ground and really just get our market off the ground. And so I basically was cold calling companies that had never heard of us, never heard of what we do. And so you had to really figure out how can you articulate the vision and how can you paint the vision for them so that they can invest back into you. And so that was a lot of challenges I dealt with and still do because you're selling an ad in a publication or a magazine that has not been released yet. And so if anyone out there is in sales, whether it's advertisements, real estate, technology, you name it, I think the best salespeople are the ones that can really articulate that vision and paint the picture for the client of, hey, if you buy this product or service, here's how your life's gonna get better. So before we hopped on live, we were just talking about how crazy the real estate market is. The real, the best people in real estate walk you through a house and they don't just say, hey, you know, three bedroom, two bath, here's the walls. They say, hey, can't you envision having a family here? Can't you envision grilling in the backyard? Can't you envision utilizing the kitchen? And, and then you're thinking in your head, wow, I could see that. And so when I'm selling these advertisements, I'm, I'm saying, hey, Mr. and Mrs. CEO, here's an idea that I have for you. Here's what this could look like. Here's what this could look like if somebody that's a prospect of yours picks this up and sees your brand in this magazine. And here's how it could influence your business. So I think in sales, you got to be able to articulate the value and you got to be able to share that vision and make them believe in that as well. I think that's crazy because uh, just today I posted on Instagram uh, about Revlon actually uh having to file for bankruptcy after they've been you know basically, basically in business for 90 years which is ridiculous to hear and um uh, one of the things that i said uh earlier today was that revlon didn't reinvent itself so basically uh sales is always about reinventing yourself too because no matter what happens and no matter what environment you in in, in sales something always changes and one of the things that i saw with revlon that they did take into consideration was in competition they're dealing with estee lauder 
they're dealing with ultra uh, ultra beauty or whatever and they are basically using social influencers uh, and content creators now to sell their their makeup lines and i was thinking like well revlon i have not seen a commercial or anybody on instagram promoting revlon at all so it's like Maybe Revlon missed the mark because they didn't realize how much social influence really makes the difference now in, in the beauty game. So and I think that's interesting that you bring it that way that, hey, the CEOs have to see it from a different level where they uh, may not see the impact that may be there now, but they got to be have enough foresight and vision as well to to see the vision that you're putting you're pitching them that can actually be prosperous for them as well, too. Yeah, no, I totally agree, man. And I'm glad you brought up Revlon because I, I was actually reading about that today. And that's just a prime lesson too, even in your, your personal life to everyone listening that if you're not innovating, if you're not growing, you're, you're going to die out. And so the most successful people I've met, and I've been fortunate to meet some people who have done very, very well in life. What separates people that are worth, you know, a couple million compared to a couple hundred million is that the couple hundred million are always learning. They're always addicted to just becoming better. Uh, and so I think that's the mindset you have to have. And, and what happened to me when I first got into sales, I was working for another company and I was one of the fastest to get promoted. And I let that quick success get to my head. Uh, and unfortunately I started slacking off. I let the foot off the gas a little bit. I stopped showing up as early as I was. I stopped doing the things that got me promoted. One of the fastest in the company. And six months later, I got put on a pretty strict performance improvement plan. Uh, and that just goes to show if you let the foot off the gas a little bit and start to slack, there's a hundred other people who are eager to take that success from you. Oh, absolutely. I feel like that's a, uh, well, you obviously know that cause you run your own podcast. I think in content creation, that's a thing each and every day. If you don't, if you don't figure out a way to connect with your audience or bring you, bring your audience the content that they need, it's going to dry up so quick that you're going to be like, man, how do I even get that reaction back that I was out, that momentum that I was getting already. And you're right. It's always somebody out there ready to take your place. That's awesome. That's an awesome uh, pitch there, what you just gave out about when just saying, hey, if you're not pressed down on the gas pedal all the time for the market that you're trying to drive, whether that's in your job, professional life, or personal life, anything of that sort, you can you can be replaced, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And like you got to be so undeniably great that you're just irreplaceable. You know what? I, I forgot who sings the song, but, you know, the song Irreplaceable. Uh, I mean, that has some truth to it. You got to be so great at what you do that people look at you and say, you know what? That Craig guy, there's no way that we can replace him. I mean, he's something special. And so that's my work as it going into every day is, hey, I want to have such a great day and produce such good results that my company or my business that I run is doing so well that it's just irreplaceable. And I think uh, Revlon, you know, just didn't have that mindset. And obviously, look what happened. Absolutely. I think they just really, uh, like I said, we, they took their foot off the gas and you you basically say the same thing I did. And it's, I think they were going to bounce back from, I mean, obviously a big business like that, they're not going away. They just have to get rid of a lot of the debt and reallocate new lower debt into their books. But it's still one of the things where they had to deal with it. So, okay. So you went through this, the, the process of actually one, finding a job in sales and, you know, you're doing quite well in it. And basically, you know, then you got, you took your foot off the gas, like you said, and that got you to a point where you obviously transitioned from that job to the next. And the, the, and I'm and that's where we we pick up where you doing the magazine now, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So, um, doing the magazine, and you found time you were scheduled to actually make a podcast. Let's talk about the podcast for a second. Yeah. So I uh I've always loved hearing success stories. When I was little, my you know, my parents were very social. They'd have friends over all the time, and if I saw somebody 
park with a nice car or tell a story about a business. I was out there asking, Hey, what do you do for work? Or what type of business do you run? And I was so intrigued with how people obtain success, success, because as mentioned earlier, you know, grew up, grew up very middle-class. So when people weren't middle-class and they're successful, I was, I was like, man, what did, what did this person do? Uh, and so when I moved to Charlotte in 2018, you know, I was fresh out of college. I still had that mindset of wanting to learn from successful people. But another thing about me is that I've always loved impacting others, you know, which is why I'm sitting here on this podcast talking because I want to impact people. And so when I first moved to Charlotte, I said, you know, what can I do to combine my two passions of one, wanting to impact others and two, listening to successful stories. And so I realized I didn't have an extreme amount of credibility yet because I was, you know, 22 years old. So I combined both packages and started the Next Level Minds podcast. Um, what's cool about this is that there's a lot of learning lessons behind this because I started the podcast. I'm on episode upper 80s or low 90s right now. Uh, but I started the podcast, you know, from the voice memo app on my phone. Uh, and so I think what holds a lot of people back from starting their own business, starting their own podcast, starting their own content creation is that they're like, you know, I don't have the mic. I don't have the software. I don't have this. I don't have that. There's always an excuse of something you don't have. And that holds so many people back. But for, for the listeners, I would suggest whatever your idea is, think about it, write a little business plan for it, write a quick little plan. For me, it was literally on my notes folder of how I'm going to get this podcast started and then pick it up and go. Because the more, uh, the more time you spend not taking action is the more time that somebody else is living out your dream, your desire, your goals. And so that's a big suggestion I have is tonight, think about what you really want to do. And I'm sure there's something every one of y'all listening want to do with your life. Think about what that is and say, you know what, what do I need to do to get there? Write down three or four bullet points and then take action this week. And even if it's small action, even if it's just one thing that's going to move that needle forward. Um, so that's it, man. And then the theme with the podcast is just speaking with entrepreneurs, content creators, authors, athletes, and saying, hey, listen, how did you get from point A to point B? What adversities did you overcome? Because I think a lot of times you look at successful people and you say, oh, that's great that you have X, Y, and Z. But what was your life like before you had X, Y, and Z? So I'm breaking down, hey, what were you like, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Entrepreneur that runs their fourth company now? What were you like at 18? What were you like at 25? What failures did you overcome? And like really peeling back what got them to that level. I think that's amazing. And, and I think you hit a lot of uh, things on point with this one because uh man like uh, i think it's been about uh, it's been about maybe next week we'll make it a month now that i've been back from vegas and and that month ago i went to uh, grow a video live and one um the main um guest speakers they had there was uh patrick bay david and i think uh a value tamer i think he had a great point about content creation that i really never even thought about at that point in time when i was actually making content all this time i've been making content for almost two years now and one thing that he said is that imagine if you could go back in time where either a famous athlete or a famous uh, spokesperson, somebody from a time in Civil War or whatever that you just wanted to meet and understand how they thought about things. Or maybe just simply your great grandparents, right? That everybody talks about that they met and you never heard anything. You only hear these great stories about them, but you never seen it in action where you can actually go back and say, pick up your Instagram and see those people actually doing the things that they're doing in their times and understanding the mindset that they had that people try to advise you on and tell you about. It will make a significant difference in the impact in your life more likely. And really and truly, you're predicated now with just having a cell phone 
that gives you the opportunity to have the privilege of recording the moments that's more special to you or talking about the things that matter to you where your great grandkids and your lineage later on where you may not even be around, they can just pick up the internet and actually go and find those things. And I thought that was one of the most prevalent things thought about when I heard in content creation, it's not even about what you're doing today. It's about what you're leaving for your future that no one is even paying attention to right now. Man, that's so cool. I'm glad you mentioned that because I haven't really thought about that way either. Um, I've always thought about it so present day, but you know, my, my grandkid or something can see some of the videos, the podcasts, and, and that's so cool. Um, and you also, to, to kind of back up your point, you never know who's watching you. I mean, a prime example of this is, you know, I don't have a, a ton of followers. I got about 2000 on Instagram. I got about 10,000 on LinkedIn. The engagement on LinkedIn for me is really great. Instagram's okay, but you know, I classify as more of a micro content creator. And so I was at my, uh, my wedding last summer that I was talking about a second ago and my wife's family is pretty big. So she's got cousins literally all over uh, that I've never met that are around, you know, my age. And I met some of these folks and they're like, Hey, I love your content that you make on Instagram. or I love the Facebook posts you're making about personal development. And I'm like, Whoa, I didn't even know you guys saw that. Uh, and so that really opened up my eyes to be like, you know, you really never know who's watching and going way back to sales. If you're in sales, I would highly suggest producing content related to business, to personal development, to just stuff you're passionate about, because the amount of people that have bought ads for me and then been like, Hey, by the way, I love the post you made the other day about, you know, goal setting or about habits. And that's something if you produce content that you can just separate yourself. I mean, LinkedIn, for example, has millions and millions and millions of users. And currently right now, only 1% of the users are actually content creators. And I'm not talking about people that just share articles or reshare a post. Only 1% are the ones that are actually writing their own posts, sharing their own photos, creating their own videos. And so if you want to separate yourself from the other 99% in business, start creating content. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It could just be something that you learned for the day. It could be a lesson that you learned back in the day. It could be an experience you had, or it could be just a quick checklist of, hey, four things that work well for me in X. Um, and so I'm really glad you mentioned that because I'm trying to get everyone to start creating content because it will definitely help you out significantly. I think I think that's the, uh, we talk about entrepreneurship and that's what most of this podcast is always about. It's always transitioning to some way you can actually be uh, self-reliant on yourself where you don't necessarily have to go punch that nine to five all the time. And I think about that too. It's like, it's, it's opportunity. You, everyone doesn't believe that they have a knack to know something that something about else may need to learn from them. And one of the, um, one, somebody else quotes, uh, you don't necessarily have to be two years, as long as you're two years ahead of somebody in knowledge that they need to know, they're always going to be willing to learn. And that's what people don't even understand. Like you may be doing a job for two years in sales that someone who's just not entering sales in the tactics and strategies that you have that's two years advance is something that someone's going to be interested in. And I think that's the most prevalent uh, information that people don't really give themselves the credit for to actually record in content that could be a service. And that's what we talk about, providing a service to someone. And I don't know. I think it's just underrated. I think content creation is very underrated. Yeah. And, you know, I live by two mindsets on that. You know, one is that I, you're never too young to teach. You're never too old to learn. Uh, kind of wrapping up the advice of always learn and then always take the time to, to help people out. Uh, and then especially in the role I'm in now, I mean, I was meeting with, I was 
22 meeting with CEOs that had 30 years of experience when I first started. Um, and a lot of these folks were kind of laughing at me in a joking way of like, hey, uh, my son is older than you uh, type of thing. So it was like that was actually a big barrier. Um, you know, but, but I live by, you know, Timothy T four twelve is, uh, you know, the Bible says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Um, and that's something I've always lived by. I remember going to a youth group when I was in middle school, that was the verse that we always talked about. Uh, and then I've kind of just stuck with that ever since, especially since I'm on the younger side of things with my company, as well as the people I'm interacting with on a daily basis. I think that's amazing. I think that's uh, all, all awesome. So like we know that, so we talked about this uh, next uh, next level podcast, and that is, uh, I think that's amazing that you're having these type of interaction with people too. And and we basically, like I said, we're doing the same thing. We're basically just having conversations with people who have different mindsets than us, but trying to understand where they're coming from and what approach they're taking. And I want to that transitions me to the point where you got your personal finance game going too, where you want to structure your life to actually be able to support the things that you wanted to do. Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, man. So I've always had a budget. I mean, when I was in college, uh, my parents helped me out a little bit, right? But you know, no, nothing substantial. I mean, I'd get a couple bucks grocery money every now and then. But basically, I worked all summer. Um, and I had to make a certain amount of money last for fall semester and spring semester. So I was kind of forced to figure out how to budget your money. I mean, a lot of my friends uh, were going out to lunch a lot, going out to dinner, and you know, I couldn't do those things um, because I had to make money last. And so I learned how to budget my money when I was in college. And then when I got to Charlotte, I lived downtown Charlotte. There's a lot of restaurants. There's a lot of breweries. There's a lot of stuff to do. Um, and a lot of my friends were going out, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, Saturday night. And, you know, I would really just pick one night a week to go out because I knew that I had to live really below my means to set up, you know, the lifestyle that I have now. You know, I, I wanted a house by the time I was 25. I got that. I wanted to pay off cars. I did that. There's a couple other things I did as well. And a lot of those friends, you know, still some of my good friends, but a lot of them aren't able to get a house right now or they still have debt. And it's because they they didn't have that sacrifice of, hey, maybe I should just go out once a week. Um, and so it's important to make the sacrifices. But yeah, man, I got the personal budget set up. Um, I still live by that today. Um, I can definitely, uh, if anyone wants a template of it, I don't have it on my website, but you can email me if you want to put that in the show notes later. It's just uh, chrischapmansc at gmail.com. I always email the template out um, and it's helped a lot of people. And, and the best advice I'll give is, you know, when your income is increasing, keep your expenses the same. So I've been blessed to have my income go up uh, almost four times it, it was when I first started out four years ago, but I've literally kept my monthly expenses pretty much the exact same, plus or minus a couple hundred bucks here and there. Uh, and so again, increasing your income four times, but keeping your expenses the exact same, I mean, you're going to start to see some huge payoffs. Um, and for me, what I value most is is financial freedom and having cash flow coming in. And so in order to do that, you have to have money on the sidelines to invest in stocks, to invest in real estate. And so that's why I'm doing that. If you don't value financial freedom or you don't value cash flow, and maybe you do just value experiences and travel for, I have some friends who say, you know what, man, I don't, I'm fine with working until I'm 60, 70. I want to go travel. I want to do this. I want to do that. That's fine whatever works for you. But for me, I want to get to the level, you know, in my early thirties where I can make work optional. I'm never going to retire because I do love work and I have a strong work ethic, 
but I want to get to the point in my thirties and especially my forties where I can make work optional. And if I want to take a month or two off, that's completely fine. And I can still have cash flow coming in, but you do that by setting up the financial habits. Now your, your life looks the way it does right now because of the habits that you've had for the last 90 days. And I'm talking on a financial level, a health level, a career level. It all goes back to the habits you had in the past. Um, and so if anyone wants that budget, I, uh, I can hook it up there and, uh, you know, always just challenge everyone to, to live below your means um, because these sacrifices are definitely worth it. Oh, yeah. We're definitely going to link down to uh, that in the show notes so you can get access to uh, Chris' uh, budget template if you want to get an uh, opportunity to check that out. Um, I think that would be personal, uh, a personal best for a lot of people. And the reason why I wanted to, you hit on a couple points here, and I want to go back and, and, and lay those out, too, is that when you said when live below your means, right, and achieve that financial freedom. And one of the things that you also said was that your income grew, but your expenses didn't. And I think that's what a lot of people tend to not miss on the, on the budget scales that they feel like once they get that pay raise, that gives them the, the free will to increase their expenses as well to live uh, the lifestyle that they think they desire right now. But you're you actually delaying the personal gratification to what you said as well, which is, is, is spot on optional going to work optionally if you don't want to because you invested that money and the exponential growth that you got in your income and other places to get that satisfaction later where you could decide, Oh, I want to work less this year, or I want to actually go about my life a little bit different here this year in this case, or things of that nature. And I'm with you because um, that's one of the main reasons why I decided that it was time to transition out of the military and actually start looking towards retirement in June of 2023 from net is because I've made that pension. You know, I've, I've I got that pension. That pension is in the bag. I don't have to worry about it no more. Let's go do the things that I really want to do. And if that means that I have to go, I, I jokingly say this a lot to people. That it's like, if I got to go work a $30,000 job to help manage the same, but the same amount of money I was bringing in anyway, and then give myself the opportunity to build this podcast, build a brand, do those things. I can go do Uber for four or five days a week. If I had to down to it but at the end of the day the main thing is i want to do something that makes me happy and building this content creation out the way that i want to and eventually hopefully turn this into a bigger business where i have to hire people to do the things that i don't want to do anymore to focus on the content directly it's bigger than a lot of the people give me credit for and that's delaying um expenses that you want to bring in your life right now that you can just hold off on yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you're on the same wavelength there, man. And it's, it's hard to do, but if you have people around you that are supporting you and you, and you look at that bigger picture, it, it helps a lot. And so if you're struggling to get the discipline to do that, what I would suggest is maybe print out some things that you want later in life that you know are going to take some financial sacrifices. And then when you get hit up by your friends to go out to dinner for the third time that week, look at that goal of yours, whether it's the house or the invest property and say, you know what? I'm good. And if they're going to drop you because you keep saying no, like they're not your real friends anyway, you know, or that's big. <laughs> yeah. Like I've, I've, I've narrowed down my friends now where if I text them, like, Hey, you know, I'm good, you know, definitely trying to stay in the budget. They always just text back, man, respect. I'm actually doing the same thing. So you got to have friends like that, that are going to lift you up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, I guess you tell you one of the major goals was you wanted to buy your first uh, home before you turned 25. So we know that obviously you accomplished that then, right? Yeah. So I got, it's actually before I turned uh, 26. Okay. Um, so got it right at 25. Um, and that was my goal to make, 
hundred grand by 25 years old as well, which I was able to get that. Um, but again, I set that goal when I was 22 and had these goals by the time I was 25. And so going back to what I mentioned about you are where you are right now because the habits you had in the past. So I was working for three years to, to those goals. It wasn't just, Hey, I turned 25 and was able to make six figures and was able to get the house. This is the aftermath of, you know, three years of habits, of goals, of behaviors that are aligned with that. Um, so yeah, I was able to get that house. Uh, fortunate that I locked in at, you know, a, a low interest rate versus now as we're sitting in, uh, you know, June, July of 2022, they're not looking the best. Um, but yeah, going back to the lessons there, you know, you are where you are right now because of the habits you had in the past. Absolutely. And that's what I talk to people about too, is that, um, Honestly, to say that if I, we were still in San Diego, man, I, I would have I had a property in San Diego in 2014 that we actually had to sell in 2020 at the height of, at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, man, that house right now we still had that house. We'll we'll be up almost almost eight hundred thousand dollars. It'll be our eight hundred thousand dollar house. Oh my god! It was kind of crazy that we had to sell it, um, but it's that's the type of market that we're in right now. And the things that I, I've learned over the last few years uh, when it comes to real estate, things of that nature, that all this stuff is uh, a lot of people, myself included, I have said that I thought prices would slash when we started seeing this interest rate go up. And right, like I was telling you before we came on, I'm in the market right now for a home. And we looked at a few. And, you know, I, one of the things I, I would always tell people I don't like doing in my life is looking for a house. Right? That's one of the things where it's like it's almost like the most big it's the biggest and most important purchase you can make. But also, it's the most agonizing purchase that you can make, too. And what I've learned lately is that uh, people are insane right now about the mortgage, about mortgages. And they're insane about just getting the house and getting it in, in the bag right now because they don't know how far the interest rates are going to grow. I'm on the fence that it's going to go to about 10 to 12 percent before we actually start to see prices slash. And I think that's what the Fed is after. They're not really after just raising the interest rate up to get people to stop buying homes. They're at the point where they need mortgage applications to stop going out. And they also need home value to come back down to a reasonable price for the lower income families to actually be able to afford a home. Right now, they can't do that. And I think that's where we're going. And yeah, it's, it's insane. I've literally had two offers in on homes in the last two weeks. And both homes came in with guaranteed money over praised price. I was like, that's I like that's bananas. We're in that type of market where you're giving up more money than what the home is valued at. Yeah, that's where we're at right now. Yeah, and you're also competing against uh, cash buyers, yep. you know, big asset managers like BlackRock. Um, and so you're not just competing against someone who may have more money than you. You're also competing against these large conglomerates that are like, oh, you know, six hundred thousand for a house, like that's cash because these companies just have so much money. So it's crazy, man. It is crazy, and I, I don't know when it's going to subside. I think uh, we'll be probably down to November, October time frame where we start to see maybe mortgage applications coming in for offers at one to two offers per home, and then you may even get down to like December where it shrinks to maybe even one uh, application go offer going in for a home. And I think that's when we'll probably see the Fed start to actually slash the interest rate prices back down, but they got to be gradual about it because – even if they did go right back and say, okay, we've we seen enough uh, stress in the real estate market. They got to be careful about it because if you lower the interest rate too low, go back to doing what they was doing during the pandemic is buying all these homes up again or going insane with the prices that they actually need to. And then you're right back to square one type of thing. <laughs> yep, exactly. Because in Virginia, uh, obviously I'm pretty sure it's the same in North Carolina. In Virginia, the last four years, um, 
the median home price has gone from 290,000 to 396,000. So in four years, this basically has seen a $25,000 growth price and median price year over year. And that has driven this market even more crazy up here. Yeah, man, I agree. And like, I'm I, like, you mentioned the lower income side. I mean, teachers, firemen, police officers, they shouldn't be having to live 50 minutes from where they work. I mean, if, if you're a teacher, especially teaching in the city, which those schools usually aren't the best, no matter what city you're in, if you're sacrificing your time to teach the youth that really needs it, I don't, I think it's BS if you're having to drive 45 minutes to work. Uh, especially if you're only making, you know, $35,000 a year as a teacher. So there's got to be a solution, whether it's some affordable housing. I mean, it's a super, super complex matter. Um, but like there, there's got to be something to get people into houses that that are, you know, the backbone of America, if you will. Absolutely. And that's where these pensions really make it. And then that's taken away from their pension. Because if you having to spend all that money up for it now, like when you get your pension, you may still be locked into a home where you can't, your pension may not even equate to at least paying for the home. Like that's what a lot of people look at is that at least they can get something locked into where no matter what I do, the, 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 the work that I've done over the amount of years that I have done it allows for me to know that this is going to take care of itself. And it's, it's hard. It's hard for a lot of people right now. And we'll see how this all plays out. But I think we really are going to see inflation probably peak at about 9.5%, maybe 10. And then we'll start to see it go to a different way. And maybe that'll help real estate at that point in time. But even well, like another report came out today about jobs market, um, seeing that unemployed uh, un people who are unemployed have the opportunity to have two job openings for every one unemployed person. So you have multiple opportunities to apply for a job before you can say that you don't have an opportunity to work anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that too. And I I hope it goes down, man. I mean, I'm tired of paying five bucks for gas over here. I'm going to buy a horse or something. I don't know, but... <laughs> you no options. You may have. You may have to see that. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's weird. It's really weird. Uh, and the real estate market is um kind of crazy. But you was thinking about actually getting into a second property then, right? Yeah, man. So that that's kind of the goal. Like as we we're talking about a second ago with the interest rates, really just want to see what those do. Um, but I have some buddies who who have done really well in the Airbnb space. Um, their target is more coastal towns, so like you know, Charleston or on the coast of Georgia, things like that. Um, so I think I'll follow suit to that. Uh, and my goal is really to get either a one bedroom condo on the beach, nothing crazy, you know, 700, 600 square feet, or get a two bedroom within walking distance from the beach um, and, and go on Airbnb. And, uh, you know, some of these numbers that you can get from some of these properties, I mean, you can make an extra 30, 40 grand a year uh, off of an Airbnb from just a, a single condo on the beach. Um, so that's the goal. Um, there's ways around getting this easier so you know typically if you're buying an investment property you have to put 20 to 25 percent down which obviously is a steep number so what i'm looking into is a couple different options and this could be some advice for people who want to do it again not financial advice just some things that i'm toying with one you can either go in and find a partner who has maybe the same amount of money you do to put down but it's not quite that 20 percent and you kind of split that you go 10 and 10 but then you'd obviously split the uh the income from the property and then two, the second option, and you have to be careful with this because you can't do this for every property. Once you get up to two or three or four investment properties, it's tough. Um, you can go in and say, you know what, this is my second home. I'm going to put down 10%, which you're allowed to do if that's your second home. And then you go on Airbnb and you have to legally live in it for 
14 days. So you go on the Airbnb and then you block off two weeks on there, but you actually have to go down there. Like you can't just be like, I'm there for two weeks. Like you got to go visit, spend some money down there to prove like, Hey, I was actually there. But then the other remaining days in the year, uh, you can put on Airbnb. So that's kind of the option that I'm looking at right now is using it as a second home and then putting that on Airbnb, blocking off the two weeks. Uh, that only works is if you're, you know, driving distance usually from uh, your property. So, you know, I'm in Charlotte. If I was like, you know, I want to buy a second home in Montana, it would kind of raise some red flags because it's like, why are you buying some random home out there that you don't have only never been to versus on the beach? You know, the beach is two and a half, three hours from here. That makes so much sense. Oh, he's buying a second home, which it is. It's a second home. I just happen to be putting on Airbnb. Right. Um, so I think just getting creative with it. And those are just two options. I think whatever your goals are, decide. I think for those that have goals that want to do big things, you got to decide I'm going to get to this goal. So I'm going to get that investment property. Now I just got to figure out the vehicle to get there. Um, and I think first having the mindset of I'm going to make it happen. And then you're going to be like, you know what, I'm going to figure out the things that I need to do to get it to happen because I'm going to stay hundred percent committed no matter what. So I think that's interesting. I got two things on that because the Airbnb uh, deal is something that I'm looking uh, to eventually get into as well. Um, and I think that's kind of interesting. So I actually have been lining up a guest who's actually specializes in uh, Airbnbs and she's actually um, our Airbnb uh, brand manager as well. Like she does it as a, as an ambassador for them. So she has a lot of information about, I actually have a book. I haven't finished reading it yet. I'm finishing that up, but she has a lot of insight into how to get it done. She was managing six real estate properties uh, for Airbnbs at one time for, for a lot of people. So stay guys, stay tuned for that one. That was coming. And then um, also, I think that it's, a, it's, it's, it's really smart to actually do it and actually do it with uh, a condo because Obviously, you give the, a lot of you give the amenities and the opportunity for people to stay somewhere that's in close proximity to a location, an ideal location they want to actually visit anyway. And it comes more reasonably priced than the local hotels in that industry as well. And it may be more accommodating as well, too, with uh, updated furnishings. So I think you got your own to something with that. And I really look at it, too, as an opportunity to make a lot of money. Uh, from an investment piece of property that actually turns around and pays for itself. That's what it comes down to ideally. Yeah. Cause it, it so the benefits to it is one, you got tax advantages cause you can write off kind of depreciation Two, uh, the, how the condo, whatever it is, real estate naturally increases, you know, six, 7% per year. Obviously the last two years have gone crazy, but naturally it's going up six, 7% per year. So you have the appreciation of the property and then, Three, you have the cash flow that's going to be coming in. And then four, you have technically a free place to stay when you go to the beach or the mountains, wherever you're getting it, because it's paying for itself, as you mentioned. Absolutely, because it's paying for itself. So I, I look forward to hearing uh, more about this story as it comes, as it develops. Maybe we have to have you back on. We can talk about this again when you give us an update on your status with Airbnb. Depends on how the market shapes up this year and how you, get it, how you go about handling it uh, from a financial standpoint, which I think that is... Uh, is, is end of the year it may be tight but 2023 you may have a great opportunity to actually find a great interest rate to make that happen yeah 2023 if we do the podcast again i'll have a condo beach behind me as the background right oh, i have one with you <laughs> well, hopefully i have one with you or yeah. maybe at the condo <laughs> <laughs> true true that'd be awesome um i, I think that's uh, uh outstanding so 
Yeah, so that lands you in real estate, and that's something that you want to uh, take a, advantage of as well. So what are some other things that um, that you're thinking about or considering uh, taking under development in the next uh, three to five years? Yeah, man, that's a good question. So three to five years, uh, I want to have a book written, uh, really just about my story and about a lot of the things I talk about on the podcast, you know, personal development, goal setting, habits, um, a lot of things that I think people just know, but after having a lot of conversations with people, a lot of people don't know, you know, a lot of Americans out there don't know a lot of people in general don't know like goal setting or habits or, or productivity, uh, which shows because if you, the average American has less than a thousand bucks in their savings account. Uh, and that's frankly because financial habits, your career habits, all that it's all intertwined. So I really want to write about that. Um, so my goal is to have a book out, uh, within the next three to five years. And then what I really want to do is get more involved in the speaking space um, so I've had the opportunity to speak at a high school in Tennessee. I had the opportunity to speak at Clemson University. Uh, I'm speaking to a nonprofit July 22nd. And it's about the same things, you know, goal setting, habits, the importance of your behavior, all that stuff. Um, but I really want to take the Next Level Minds platform a bit more full time, maybe even full time by the time I'm 30 and run that into a speaking company, a coaching company, you know, a, a really successful podcast and then even host some events. So host an event, you know, Next Level Minds Entrepreneurs Entrepreneur Series and have three to four entrepreneurs up there on a panel. The revenue model would be people would buy tables to the event. They could sponsor the event um, and kind of turn it into an event-based company as well, but, but solely more towards business segments. Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. I got some, uh, I got some thoughts on it. Maybe we'll take offline and we'll have a conversation about as we, as we wrap up. But I think it's a it's an opportunity there for you where you can actually do it. Uh, it's some things that you may want to do in advance of to make sure that you're already on that agenda to get that done when you want to. Um, I think those are all great opportunities here. And so let's talk about levels of uh, multiple streams of income. How do you look at um, actually uh, developing out your building out your multiple streams of income? It seems like you are already working towards that and advancing towards that. But what is the mindset that you have behind income? Yeah, man. So with with income, you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, been blessed to have my income go up three to four X in the last, uh, you know, four years. And that's because I've been obsessed with just mastering your skills. So whatever your skills are out there, take the time to master it. So I mean, for the past three to four years, I watch a couple of sales videos every week. I've read a book a month. I mean, I listen to three to four podcasts a week. And that's been compounded on each other. And so because I've invested so much back into myself, my income's just naturally increased. Um, and so first, if you're in a W-2 job, like take the time to get that right. Um, and if you're not in a job like sales where you can kind of control your income, then put yourself in a position in your company where you're undeniable, where they almost have to give you a promotion every year. They almost have to raise your salary 10 to 15% per year. You're, you're more in control than you think. Uh, so first, get the W-2 income right. Two, take the time obviously to live below the means. And for me with the cash flow, uh, you know, the primary residence I have now, the goal with this is most likely we'll turn this into a long-term rental uh, because it's in a suburb, you know, about 20 minutes outside of Charlotte. The schools around here are fantastic. And so there's a lot of young families in here that aren't in the position to maybe buy their own home, but they want to rent in the area so their kid can go to the good school district. Um, and so what we're thinking about right now is turning this into a long-term rental um, so that could be, you know, about 800 to a thousand dollars in cash flow coming in a month, uh, and then get the Airbnb, 
that could be another, you know, 1500 to 2000, depending on the, the seasons of when people are traveling, uh, and then have that third home being the primary residence. But then the goal of having, you know, the Airbnb and then the long-term rental covering that mortgage so that the money that we're making from next level minds podcast, the book, if I'm still in a W two role is just going straight to creating that financial freedom and everything. Man, so that you, Chris, you got a lot going on, man. You make me, you make me feel like I'm, I'm not the only one out there thinking about all of these things, which is awesome, right? <laughs> no, nah, man, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I was talking to one of my mentors today. Um, it's actually my my uncle on my mom's side. He's pretty much the only one in the family who who did really well. You know, he retired at 50. Um, and we're talking about the stock market today, and he's like, you know, I'm gonna buy X amount of shares of this company. The profit should be this. And then I'm going to use the profit from this to buy this and then do this. And I'm like, it gets to a point where when you have some more money, where you're ultimately investing in things, it's not even really your money. I mean, he's using the profit from some of the stocks that he sold to invest into real estate, to invest into stocks. And so not that you're going to lose money per se, but if it goes south, which based on historical trends, the stock market has gone up nine to 10% for the past 90 years. But for some crazy reason, that investment does go south. At the end of the day, it's really not even your money. It's just profit you receive. So that's the kind of the goal to get that where you're just reusing the same profit over and over and over to buy different things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gathering assets and, and, and getting rid of the liabilities. Absolutely. But yeah, man, I'm glad you said that too. I mean, you you would never know like how many people are really into this. L lately with conversation I've had, even if it's with random people, I'll kind of put a feeler out of, hey, how's it going? You know, I'm Chris. Talk for a couple minutes and then be like, somehow just naturally slide in stocks or real estate in there. You'd be surprised the amount of people that are like, oh yeah, like I'm actually trying to get in property too. Or, hey, I actually have some stocks that I'm doing this too. I mean, I talked to someone the other day who just seemed like they didn't really have it together. I mean, they were just all over the place. And then after literally a 10 minute conversation, they were like, oh yeah, I have five long-term rentals. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, pardon me for judging. Uh, sec and then second, you never know like where someone's at and everything. So yeah. That's true. That's very true. I think we are in a different uh, swing of things because I think maybe because of social media to a lot too, where people have seen other people starting to do these things a lot more and it may intrigued by it and go, okay, well, let me see what I can do. And can I match that same level of intensity to get to that level? And really and truly, that's where I, if, if three uh, personal, if I had three real estate properties at that point in time and I'm on my fourth, that'd be awesome. Um, honestly, I'm going to get into uh, real estate uh this uh summer i'm gonna try to get my real estate license here and get that done by the summertime so we can see um how, mu how much further i can take this game of finance with um just rel self-reliance on myself and then going from there helping other people at least break out into their own homes and then build from there too so we'll see how that goes maybe that'd be an updated story when we get back together again and talk about those things and see what happens from there dude you may be selling me the condo at this rate who knows Hey, we'll see. Hopefully so. You know, you got to get, I'm trying to get multiple licenses in different states here. Uh, depends on where I'm living at uh, in five years, six years from now. So we'll see uh, where that go. Um, so Chris, tell everybody where they can find you at. Let's uh, get you, get you, uh, get all those finger smashing on the internet buttons here. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Chris Chap Chap is, uh, Chris Chap Chap is my Instagram handle. And then on LinkedIn, it's just Chris Chapman. I actually do a little bit more content on LinkedIn. Um, and then the podcast is Next Level Minds Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that stuff. And I'm, before we get, get out of here, I got one thing that Chris uh, brings up that I think is amazing. LinkedIn is an awesome place for content creators who may be watching this or listening to this podcast. That's the that's where you probably want to make sure you're hanging your head at too, because that gives you an opportunity 
to reach out to brands that you may be actually catering to already and you don't even know it because your audience is listening to you and you may be getting reactions by certain brands and things of that nature because you're talking about them and LinkedIn gives you the opportunity to deal with social media marketers at those brands to actually branch out and give them your content that they can even view and review and say, oh, you know what? Maybe we need to give this person a brand deal for a certain amount of TikToks, Instagrams, YouTube videos, all types of sorts. And the algorithm is unreal. I mean, if I like your post on LinkedIn, the way it works is that everyone that I that that everyone that's following me can see that I liked your post. And so your post gets put up there as well. I mean, I'm getting five to 6,000 views per post now. And that is small compared to some other people. But think about this. If I make a quick video about goals for 50 seconds and 6,000 people see it, that's technically like me speaking in front of 6,000 people. Uh, and so that, I mean, and it's free. You're not having to pay for it. It's free. So oh, I think the I think they say LinkedIn is the most, um, hold on. A most, uh, uh, I know it. I know I'm trying to make sure I put it in the right terms. The most, the biggest influence by dollar of users that's actually on the platform. So basically, they make the most, they most of the people who use that platform makes a lot of money enough to where you want your content in front of their eyes because they're the ones who are going to spend more money than you being on Instagram or Twitter or anything of the other sort. So it's something to consider. Yeah, yeah, 100%, man. So, so Chris, I appreciate it, man. I'm, can I get you to stand by for me? This was a great podcast, and I appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely, Craig. Really appreciate it. Thank you.